I am Daniel Lucas and welcome to Book 101. Book 101 is all about the books that I read for the last 40 years. And today, I have my special guest. He is the author of several books, no other than Mr. Sean D.W. Parker. Hi, Daniel. Nice to be here. Yes, Mr. Sean. Thank you for your time. And can you please introduce yourself? Yes, um, I'm, I'm sh just Sean. Um, I'm, I'm a writer, artist and academic from England. Um, and uh, I've uh, published about, about uh, nine books and contributed to four more. And um, I'm here to talk about a couple of them in turn oh yes definitely for the last two episodes mr sean can we do the recap of the books that we talk about compelling speech this stammering enigma and state of independence from pop art rock and beyond yeah yes um compelling speech i published last year uh, 2022 which is an autobiographical look at stammering, uh, being a stammerer and its kind of cultural implications. Um, and the year before, uh, sorry, no, that was 2023, as in this year, earlier this year. And the year before, 2022, I published the dates of, of independence from pop art to art rock and beyond, which is like a list book of um, controversial records, which have been inspired by the art rock uh, genre over the last 50 years or so. Yes. And how about a state of independence from pop art to art rock and beyond? It's a long title in two halves, that one. <laughs> but yeah, um, <laughs> it's the same book. It, it's about music and um, how the ideas of the songwriters can be changed by the media in order to make those songs more controversial. So that's what that book's all about. Yes, people, if you are interested how Mr. Sean created those books, the flaws, those intricate styles of writing of Mr. Sean, please do listen to our previous episode. So, Mr. Sean, which one of your books are we going to talk about? Right. Um, the next one, uh, going backwards in time, um, that I published in was in uh, 2018. And that was called uh, Bean Soup, <laughs> which I can't say that well with my stammer. But um, yeah, it, it was published then. And um, what uh, kind of uh, the book is essentially, it, it's a very tense and quite kind of mixed up book, uh, to be honest. It's, it, it, that doesn't make it a bad read um, as, as, so f as far as the reviewers are concerned. I don't talk about my books um, with a value judgment, you know, but it's um, it's a very... Um, scattershot state of the the end of the closure of my arts venue and um, being in a problematic legal situation. So it puts all those things into the prism of um, poetry and observation. And uh, bean soup is the uh, is the product of that. Wow. So, Mr. John, what's the big difference of writing poetry and writing academic book? 
Uh, well, it couldn't be more different, I suppose. Um, academic is is about a theme outside yourself and which you're specialising in, for example, justice reform or stammering. And it's important to get to what other people have said and to contextualise that into what you want to say about it, um, to stretch that uh, that thinking to different thoughts and then to put the references of what other people have said into it. So academic writing is like a job, but when you do it well, it can become like an art form as well. And that's the, the best stuff to read. Um, when it comes to poetry, there are no rules. You go, there are some sort of sort of sciences that other poetic um, students of literature have tried to impose. But as far as I'm concerned, there are no rules. It's an expression of the art of linguistics from inside yourself in whichever language you're speaking. And um, you get that out in the most powerful, beautiful way and something that impacts the listener depending on what you're saying and the state of mind that you're in at the time, if you can sculpt that into word pictures from sentence to paragraph, then you'll probably have a poem by the end of it rather than a, like an academic document. In your part, Mr. Sean, which are easier to write? Um, it entirely depends on the mood, doesn't it? Um, if you're in a poetic mood or a reflective mood, or that's just happening in your in your insides at that time, a poem's going to come anyway, and it might turn into a song, possibly, if you put your guitar to it. Um, but if, if, if you're thinking about how you feel about something, the poetic response is natural, and um, or how you're observing something that you care about. Then, But if you want to do something fair, which is to look at a thing academically, kind of weigh it up and do a, an an analytical piece of work you have to get get uh, rid of quite a lot of that poetry um basically otherwise the reader will be unconvinced suspicious or think that you, that person doesn't want to read a poem they want to read something that's been studied definitely indeed uh, mr sean so bean soup how did you craft it um yeah, I, I was, as I say, I was in a um, difficult uh, position having had to leave the business I was I was running, which was an art centre um, that had been closed by the council and I was facing legal problems. So I went to a, to a different town along the coast um, to be closer to other friends. And I just thought, right, well, I need to record this sort of process just in case I'm not able to write for a period of time. Um, from being disallowed to do so. Um, so I um, just put together a lot of the observations I've been making at that venue and afterwards um, from the process of these, these legal um, adventures of mine. And they took the form of a few essays. There's a little bit of stammering in there to contextualise um, the stress of the stammer and being um, accused. So um, that that is a big part of the book. And then some poems as well, from me and from other poets. For example, Mr. Rudyard Kipling um, is in there for some reason. <laughs> and there are photographs too of, of my artistic life up to that point. It was like a reckoning because I knew um, that I was up against something big and I wanted to make a statement before I um, might not be able to speak for a while. And that's what Bean Soup actually is. Interesting. you describe the writing of Mr. Rudyard Kipling, what is it? Oh, um, Rudyard Kipling is... Um, a figure from the early 20th century who was um is an englishman who was also quite a col colonizer or he was involved in the colonies he 
because because he lived in in India quite a lot. I believe he was part Indian as well. But um, uh, he had a big big sort of sense of the empire, and he was quite connected to that. And he wrote a poem called "If," which is about becoming a man. It's quite quite sort of famous. If you can keep your head whilst all around you are losing theirs, um, etc. And he wrote the Jungle Book. So um, all of the the, the anamorphism in that book, which is obviously very famous, um, came out of his pen. He had a beautiful sense of um, speaking to children and to humanity uh, in a time before identity politics, we can say. So he's become quite controversial recently, um, but he was a major figure in the English literature and, and remains so and is going to after all the controversy about him has gone. But I wanted to put in a poem of his, which isn't if, it's, it's another one, um, to capture the feelings of empire and watching that slip away. What are the elements of Mr. Rudyard Kipling that put in a jungle book that make this famous phenomenal in the world? Um, I suppose it was Mr. Disney that made it uh, properly phenomenal. <laughs> but before that, yes, it was successful, wasn't it? Um, I mean, before my time. But um, it, it, I think it's about the fact that, that all, all the animals involved in that are unknown to, to Europe so there's a big degree of exoticism and then you've got got the narrator character of of the boy Bumogli who I believe is essentially the book is written through his eyes isn't it or it's like his experiences uh, with all these lovely animals characters around them and the big bad cat isn't actually bad he's complicated and the big bear isn't stupid he's complicated and so Kipling has all those complications of characters which are so valuable when you're learning. And I think that's what um, uh, people respond to in that book and then was captured so wonderfully in that in the cartoon. Yes, definitely agree there, Mr. Sean. What behind the title of your poetry book? Ah, Bean, bean Soup. Um, uh, bean is my childhood nickname um, because I was actually kind of christened, not christened, but I was given the name Ben by my mother. And then um, I was, I couldn't say Ben for years because of my stammer. So at the age of 20, I added a Sean to the beginning of it by Deepol, so it's official. Um, and when you put the two of those words together, you get Bean. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, I didn't want to totally get rid of Ben because, you know, it's my inheritance and it's a nice enough name. I just couldn't say it then. Uh, I can say it better now. Um, and I was in what you could call a pickle in in English, but also a soup is better than pickle. Bean pickles a bit too uh, ingrediency. So I called it bean soup because I felt like um, I was in a right bad situation, and I was. And uh, this is a reflection of how I felt with my own linguistic slant on things, I guess. Yes. So, Mr. Shan, can you recite one of your favorite poem in the book? Oh. Blimey. Um, <laughs> I, I love to hear it. <laughs> um, you know, you know, Daniel, I would, I would, but I, they, they're not actually springing to my mind at the moment. I've written about 150 poems and um, to uh, the ones that are in this book, I wouldn't actually be able to drag out. So I'm going to have to say no to you right now, but I'm really sorry. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> no worries, Mr. Sean. Bean soup. What do you think the chapters that you love the most? Um, I think the chapters that I love the most are um, 
the ones where I'm uh, starting to discuss about the impact of, of kind of the American politics of the Trump era and election on British culture, on Brexit, and how those things were tying together at that time, um, at the end of um, the 2020, uh, the, the 20-teens. And because um, they, were, they were very powerful, it was a very dramatic so, uh, and I could see what was happening to the media. And there's a chapter in there called Zonka's Bork. And I was trying to remember the reason I called it Zonka's Bork. And it's because my girlfriend at the time, who was American, um, came up with this <laughs> uh, <laughs> word Bork. And I was trying to understand it. And she just had her own sort of language. So I just, um, I have a habit of picking up people's sort of f f phrases and putting them into my chapters in my books. So, um, that one was about the American impact on England and how that was affecting the British legal system too. So that sticks in my memory somewhat. Yes, indeed. Mr. Sean, if you want to go back and revise the book itself, which part of the book you want to revise? Um, that's, that's, a pretty, that's a pretty good question because um, I, I'm not going to say I rushed it out, but it's definitely the most... Um, uh, sort of prepared in an emergency uh, thing I've ever done because part of my part, part of my brain was on these these legal problems I was up against. A lot of my brain was on that, but I always keep the art going, and I knew I wanted to get this out um, soon. So um, the editing, you know, because because I do a lot of my own editing and then have it checked, you know, sort of put by another editor because I'm an editor myself, so I get two sets of eyes. Um, I think could have been done better, but I always think that about my book. So that might not be fair, um, but it's it's not a novel. It's a bunch of different ideas strung together. Uh, and the, the result of that is to turn out very poetic. And really, it's up to up to the reader how they feel about that. They don't have to read it sequentially. They can dip in and dip out and still have a an idea of what's going on. So. Yes, again, I haven't answered your question properly, but, you know, gave it a go. <laughs> yes, but before we go on, Mr. Sean, I want to shout out to the people listening in Singapore. Shasha Singapore for supporting this podcast in Central Singapore Community Department Council. I got 81% audience share. Singapore at 18% and Tarpins Newtown 1%. Thank you, Singapore, for supporting this podcast because this podcast is created to empower writers all over the world like Mr. Sean B.W. Parker. Do you have another title of this uh, book, Bean Soup? Uh, you mean the book... Um... The title that it was going to be. Um, yes, yes. Um, Another option of the title of the book. Yeah, I think it was going to be called. I mean, it was. It's now like sort of uh, the five years ago, isn't it? So I think it was going to be called the Fat Green Cancer Sex Secret <laughs> for a while. <laughs> but I came away from that um, in order to give it this nickname idea instead, because that and that's a bit, um, you know, it's, it's a bit long <laughs> that, that one. So you make it shorter, like bean soup. Exactly. Oh, that'd be awesome. You mentioned a while ago about Brexit. What are the issues that you talk about in the book? Um, um, I, I could, could tell how uh, the media was um, working on people's um, kind of 
conservative impulses with things like the urge to Brexit and to independence and the global impulses which are towards um, looking at the world and attempting to join with that in order to get progress in that way and the tensions between this that were playing out um, in all kinds of fields. Um, so um, I didn't actually vote in Brexit because um, I failed to see the spiritual um, thing at the time. I would prefer to let the country decide on something that I wasn't sure about. And I'm, I'm still a little bit like that because um, it's just a political thing. I didn't see it as emotional, but everyone else was seeing it as very emotional and it was dividing families and all this kind of thing. And how does one feel about it? But I didn't recognize that. So um, or if I don't engage in something, I always like to write about it because that's more in interesting than actually engage, um, engaging with something and writing about it. Because in that sense, it become, can become a polemic. But if you don't have have like a skin in the game, then it's just a much more interesting thing. You can observe and talk about the effect on the people as opposed to um, the effect on the country, which we're seeing now. Do you think, in your opinion, did the United Kingdom people chosen the right decision in Brexit? Um, it continues to be a controversial point, and it depends on the media you read, because all, all of the papers that supported Brexit continue to, and all the papers that supported Remain continue to. Um, we have seen, honestly, that the economy has not um, done as badly as people were suspecting. <clears throat> so there have been, and possibly that's because of Brexit, or possibly it's not. It's just that the economy has been fine, and we're um, doing fine. <laughs> so <laughs> um, that, that's just an observation about that thing. And without, and this thing is essentially an economical question. It's just people want to do. I mean, what I personally think is that we are a part of Europe, and we're going to be friends, and we should be friends, and we should do trade. I just don't want to be ruled by the unelected leaders. And that's soft Brexit. And I'm pretty comfortable in that position, really. Um, so, yeah, you know, and if you don't want your country to be led by people you haven't elected, it is actually a brave thing to do. So I suppose that's my stance on it. But it's not a I'm not particularly staunch on almost anything politically. I just do things which seem right in my conscience, like a floating voter, you know. Yes, definitely, uh, Mr. Sean. Bean soup, what are the things that you want to include but you miss it? Uh, um, at, at the time I was writing it, I was um, deeply um, hurt by some, some issues that had happened at the venue uh, that I was telling you about, the arts venue. So I couldn't go deeply into the reasons why I was hurt about it because they were personal and heavy and the rest of it but they're to come out in 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 the future books you know because I don't let anything go that's of value like that um so there were things that I wasn't able to involve that I wanted to but you can probably read them between the lines because I do hint at what had gone on which was um kind of the local council difficulties with the venue allegations that were made against certain people at that place so um yeah, there were things I couldn't say, but I hinted towards that I will say in the future. Yes, indeed, Mr. Sean, before we go on, anybody to listen to my other podcast, Food 101, our third season with Chef Alessandro, one of the best executive chefs in one of the best restaurants 
in downtown Toronto. Plus one more. Our books are out. Not only one, but seven volumes, people. Food 101, Volume 1, Basics, until 7, available on Amazon and leading online bookstores worldwide. Plus, my books of uh, Book 101 Review People is out, Volume 1 to Volume 3. Volume 1 is talk about a highly recommended book. It's all about my 100 episodes of my first season of Book 101 review so please do grab a copy available on amazon and leading online bookstores worldwide that sounds great by the way your little advert there i'm gonna have a look at that (laughs) 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 well um as the ad was on earlier i actually looked through the book and i found a poem for you if you'd like me to read it oh Um, yes definitely (laughs) did my research at last um okay this is called uh brown eyed world brown eyed world um Let they who are without sin cast the first stone. Before you click share on your mobile telephone, sex projection and the butcher's hook, don't try to catch a falling knife on the promise you took. A charm offensive in a brown-eyed world, think on the right side of a God-shaped hole to show me those white-hot Russians in love as the brown-eyed world looks cold as tears above. So sometimes I feel like a black American, an ugly business, but algorithmically yours. All we read are fat green cancer sex secrets to grow servant now in a bed made for four. Put me there and what can I do? I breathe through your disease. Telogem effluvium in snippets and verse, Texarkana barbers and the beauty supply, the gospel of the low art dilettante, Dinosaurs of the period Puritan age need not apply. Misreader now is the wolf at the door. You are your own high-functioning mechanism. A cacophony of indifference in Nubot Nulit. Suavemente Basami through your glittering prism. Wow. Interesting, <laughs> Mr. Sean. You combine uh, modern poetry to the classic poetry. Right? <laughs> you got it. You got it. I hope so. Anyway, Mr. Sean, bean soup. What else you can say about it? Well, um, like I say, it's got some photos in it. So, um, because of of the chaos <laughs> that uh, it can be, if you dip in and out, it's like it's it's not sequential. There's like that poem and the chapter of Brexit and the chapter on stammering. Um, so, in order to try and create a narrative, I put in a bunch of of old photographs from my Istanbul band days and from the lecturing tours I did and things like this, just to give a sense of um, of a visual of me and um, the fact that it is autobiographical, but in a way that kind of compelling speech wasn't. Compelling speech was about the stammer. This is autobiographical about like a career up to that point, which was about to hit the skids in a big way. <laughs> so it's, um, it's not c- celebratory. It's quite gonzo, and it's um, but it's got these pictures in order to give the viewer a bit of relief, basically, I suppose. Yes, and according to Mr. Ferry Como, I love his Carter Bomb style of attacking topics. So can mm. you give us example of this, this Carter Bomb style of attacking topics of your <laughs> writing? <laughs> 
Yeah, that's Perry, who's um, the songwriter of, of the Magic Sponge in 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 London, a brilliant art rock band. Um, I, I think it's him that did that, that review way back then. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, he um, he knows as a reader of mine that I will go from chapter to chapter, hitting on subjects which interest me at that point, and then not particularly feel the need to create an editorial link between them. So there's a there's there's like a shock and I'm like, oh, kind of where am I in 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 the reader? After the second or third chapter, you get used to that. So there's no problem. But like a continuation of a novel from the start, it can be confusing. But I like that confusion because I think there's some art in that when you do it well. And it's up to the reader if I've done that well or not. Uh, basically that's scattershot. And um He's not wrong, especially with this book. Not all my books are like that. <laughs> Compelling speech is very thematic. I mean, it's a narrative, but this one isn't a narrative, so don't go at it expecting that. So, Mr. Sean, when you're writing Bean Soup, do you have a specific writer that you are aiming to emulate? <laughs> uh, no, no, I never, I never have that because that would be too much of a giveaway. However, to, to answer a bit more fairly... Um, I was definitely quite into Kurt, uh, the, the, uh, Kurt Vonnegut at, at the time. So um, so it's not that you're trying to emulate these people, but their style and their words are definitely seeping into your soul somewhere and then coming out of your fingertips, aren't they? So um, probably Kurt Vonnegut would be a fair. If you describe Mr. Von writing, what is it? Kurt Vonnegut. Um, it's, it's, it's a mid, mid sort of 20th century American expressionist style um, where um, your feelings come out without too much editing and it's there in front of you how you feel about things and you describe things in, in, in a minimalistic way, in a, in a kind of Hemingway sort of style just in order to not waste words. So to get the emotional impact out without wasting words is what the Vonnegut used to do with that essential human truth inside it, which we're... Um, rapidly losing you know but um just to say how you feel and why you feel about it and if you need to swear you swear you know that's and he's got a the philosophical truth inside what he does brilliantly very well said mr sean and can you please invite our listeners to buy all your books certainly can um if, if they go to amazon in their country or amazon.com for the whole shebang uh, and look up sean S-E-A-N-B-W Parker, Sean B.W. Parker. They'll see all, all the um, all the books we're talking about on there. This one is, uh, I don't think it's hidden, but it might be because it's a couple of years ago now, but it's um, they're down there and they're all wonderful, you know, but that's the one we're talking about today. So that's, that's the place to find it at. Yes, people, let's support Mr. Sean because if you support him, more and more books to come. Are you writing uh, books nowadays, Mr. Sean? I am. I've always got something on the go, Dan. It's just um, uh, I'm hoping. Uh, what I do know is that next next year I'm going to be publishing a collection of poems on the justice system. So um, called P -p 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 uh, the Panopticon. So that's um, it's like an official publisher, and it's it's going to be quite a big deal. So uh, up until that, and hopefully around that time, I'll come come back onto your show to talk about it because that that would be great. So that that will be next summer, I think. Mr. Sean, thank you for your time. Mm, thank you. Always a pleasure, my son. Bodycon people, see you soon.